Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, we have Auburn Mason, um, artist, and she um, also refers to herself as a mercenary artist, which I was just telling her made me giggle. Uh, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So uh, tell me a little bit about your background. I have a Bachelor's of Fine Arts degree from Savannah College of Art and Design. I graduated from 2002 with um, a degree in illustration. And immediately after um, graduating, we realized that illustration in the way that we were taught is dead. Mm -hmm. um, there's just no market for it. Right. And my, I actually met my husband at school. We, we graduated with the same stats. So anyway, um, after graduation, we started doing decorative painting and murals. And so I've been doing this uh, since 2002. Okay. And we studied at Decorative Finishes Studio in Louisville, Kentucky with Martin Allen Hirsch. That's since closed. And um, sorry, my Bluetooth just died. So hopefully. You can oh, no, actually, it, it's a little bit louder. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So anyway, so we went to Decker Finishes Studio in Louisville, Kentucky and studied with Martin Allen Hirsch. And we learned all about the 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 ins and outs and hows of doing decorative painting. And then when I was in college, I was able to go to multiple trips to Europe to study over the summers. And one of our trips was to London and we, and I, we saw the work of Thomas Kershaw and he is the, the master of marbling and wood graining. And even being nose to nose with his work, you can't really tell the difference right. between it and actual marble and wood. He was amazing. And his secrets died with him. Uh, Nobody really knows exactly how he did what he did. Mm -hmm. So, and I was just, I was mesmerized by his work. Well, then eventually in like, I think it was 2006, a class was offered with a man named Mike McNeil who passed away this, this February, but he was the premier expert on all things Kershaw. Okay. And he was also, uh, he, he's, the only, the only American member of a London guild for marbling and wood graining. Oh. And yeah. the youngest member in their history. Yeah, he was yeah. amazing. And so there was a class that was being offered with him. So of course we jumped at it. Right. And my husband and I went 
and we learned to do marbles and woods from him. And yeah, so that's that's kind of a, a quick, quick little art background. Well, and and that's very um, very interesting, and that's kind of how uh, we try to find classes and things to kind of can continue our education. So I think that that's really, really important. Um, I'm curious about you, you studied illustration and you said the way that you learned how to do it was, has changed, you know, the, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't applicable anymore. Was, were you illustrating by hand then? Were you, is that? Yeah, it was, um, I, I came out ex with um, an emphasis in children's books illustration mm -hmm. using watercolor. Okay. Yeah. And there's just not enough of a market for the 300 and some odd illustrators they were putting out each year. Right. Yeah. The, um, I, there's a um, graphic designer that I knew that was just a couple years older than me. So he was right at that cusp of like, before we start using computers for just about everything. Mm -hmm. And when he went to graphic design school, he spent an entire year learning how to do fonts by hand. <laughs> you know, and he was now that fashionable again. Yeah. <laughs> But about a yeah. 20 year span, nobody was doing it by hand. Right. Yeah. And I'm just like, I can't even imagine like that doesn't, but I, I'm not creative in that way. So that does not sound like fun to me. <laughs> so, so tell me why, um, why you chose um, preservation or, or faux painting? Well, um, my husband and I started Flying Cat Studio in 2002. Oh no, sorry. 2003. Okay. I think it is. And before we were even married and we start, we just did a mural in a rental house and it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And so we just thought, you know, seeing an entire house as a canvas right. would be just so much fun. So that's, that's really why we started doing decorative painting and the historic stuff came along organically. Mm -hmm. So when we started doing the decorative painting, um, I mean, when we started doing the marbling and wood graining, we started getting a few little historic jobs uh, for mantles and things like that. And it just sort of escalated from there. I can do the next question. Well, I, I was, yeah, it was, well, and I was thinking too, um, I know the Savannah, um, art, or is it Savannah School of Art and Design? Savannah College, yeah. College of Art and Design. They, they have a preservation program too. That's yes. why I'm familiar with them. So like, but I guess that really, because of what you studied, that wouldn't have been applicable. And uh, they don't, I've, I've been trying to get in with them, uh, with their, with the preservation department. And I've spoken to the Dean about coming in and doing a, a lecture or doing a webinar or something like that. We haven't really like fleshed it out yet and nailed anything down, but, um, they, the techniques that I use, I would be like a demonstration for them right. and like a, a quick rundown of the history and the tools and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, it wouldn't actually be like teaching Right. students to go out and do wood graining it'd be more like if this is what I do you know kind of a contractor introduction kind of thing yeah. I guess and yeah um and I would think that a lot of the students there probably would unless they were really interested wouldn't do that themselves but it's good to have that background to be able to, to right and to let them know it exists yes yeah you know there's yeah, still definitely. people out there in the world who do this art form yeah yeah definitely so tell me about your work um you know Anything you want to tell me, your clients, the geographic area projects, anything? Um, all of my work has been in this, um, mostly the, the, and mostly in Georgia. Okay. Um, and this recent job has, was up in Virginia in the Shenandoah Valley okay. in Natural Bridge. So um, 
as far as the historic work goes, we started out, we got a couple of national register homes that we did just like little things for. And then we had this one client named Tom Lee and he was absolutely passionate about historic preservation and restoration. And he took us under his wing and he told us all about, you know, preserving the patina and how to honor the house and honor the, the tradition of the itinerant painter. And he right. taught us about the American itinerant painter, which is a vastly different experience from the, the British uh, school, which is what we learned from Mike McNeil in the European school. In Europe and in, in Britain, they were, they were honored artists it was a high art here in the United States. It was an apprenticeship program and a craftsman. Yeah. And in, was it more guild based in, in Europe or yeah. Yeah. In Europe, it is absolutely guild based here in the U S it was just some guy with a wagon and a couple of apprentices. And some paint. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, he he had, he had, you know, his buckets of brushes and this, you know, and I've recently learned that they had these fantastic paper hats that was almost like a chef hat, but puffier. So I can only imagine how many beams they bonged their hands on. Because I mean, your peripheral vision would have been just shot. Oh my goodness, that's But fun. yeah, they had these amazing like puffy paper hats and these long aprons, sometimes down to their ankles. And I'm like, you you guys had a death wish trying to go up a ladder. <laughs> oh, can you imagine tumbling? <laughs> ankles? Are you kidding me? No. So anyway, that's funny, but yeah, their whole experience was, it was vastly different from the Europeans and, and Tom walked us through that whole, their whole, um, their, their life, you know, this is, this is how they worked. This is what they worked with and all this. And then we started working on his house, which is in 1833. Um, I don't remember the had a, the name of the architectural style, but it's a very yeah. primitive home. I was going to say, yeah, it's, that's, that's kind of early. Was that in Georgia? Yeah, it was one of the, it's the oldest house in the county. Okay, very cool. Um, this is West Georgia, okay. about an hour from Alabama. Yeah, so, so that would, yeah, that would have been like the frontier. <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah, it was a frontier house yeah. and um, all heart pine, complete oh. heart pine construction. Yeah which as, as you know, your listeners would know is doesn't exist anymore. Right. Right. So, but it's, I, we think, I guess because of Tom's tutelage in a way, you know, we think of heart pine as being like gold for my husband and I, it's beautiful to work on. And one thing that, that Tom taught us about was a lot about the patina. Like don't, you, you don't take away the dents and the dings and the scups and the, scra- right. and the scrapes because that adds to it, which when you're using thin glazes that tend to pool, that's a challenge <laughs> right yeah because you're you're actually drawing it up like you're bringing attention to it yeah yeah so then our work in his house got us into early american life magazine as a preferred mm-hmm. contractor um and this was a while back this was 2007 2008 and 2009 yeah. so then we ended up on his neighbor's house which is this incredible home it's 1835 but it's um the architectural quality is much greater. Yeah. It's not primitive at all. It's got this huge central hallway that's like 30 feet by like 55 to 60 right. feet. And my husband and I did all the woodwork in that hallway. We did all the wainscoting, the trim. Oh my goodness. It's all yeah. marbled. And then we did four smaller doors and two huge double doors in a feathered mahogany, which that's a feathered mahogany. Oh, yes. But um, in a very dark one though and 
So then that was like the premiere. And then we're also at the same time doing modern stuff for some of the largest builders in the Southeast. Mm. Like murals or are you, are you doing? Yeah, murals, decorative painting, all the like, you know, swooshy paint finishes and metallics and all the modern stuff. And then the economy crashed in 2010 and it took our business with it. So we had to close. I took time off to have babies Mm -hmm. and, you know, do all that mommy stuff. (laughs) And then the client with the huge central hall called me back, called me up and asked me to come and do some touch up. That went beautifully. It was so great to be, to they're, they're, they're that one client that if you could just clone them and work yes. for them your yes. entire life, you'd be happy. There, we have, we have some clients like that, that like when they call, we're happy to, we're happy to hear from them. We, whatever yeah. you want, what, yes. I will, whatever you want, you know, you know, normally ceilings are off limits for me, but I'm like, I'll do a ceiling for you guys. Yeah. You know, we're good. My husband has said that to somebody we, we had a, we were, um, they were, their house is the oldest house in uh, Westchester. And, um, there was a, it was a really raining and uh, they had a tour and Johnson was trying to get something finished up on the exterior. So he set up pop-ups. He had a, you know, he was running the electric outside and he, he said to him, you know, I wouldn't have done this for anybody else, but we love you. (laughs) Nobody else. Yes. (laughs) Nobody else. So, um, so yeah, so they called then. So while after, after I'm doing that, he sits me down. He's like, I just bought this house in Virginia and it has all of this original wood graining and marbling. Would you do it for me? And he, since they're that once in a lifetime client, right. um, yeah. I said, absolutely. You know, right. so I've been working on that since June of 2020. Okay. And it's now, you know, it's, it's March right. of 21. Yeah. So yeah. I've been going up in yeah. two week spells and just banging it out, doing it the best I can with, you know, with the time I have up there and the, when I, and, you know, sometimes damage doesn't quite come across very well in photographs. Mm, Yeah. So the photographs I had before, when I, when I bid the job, (laughs) they didn't look that bad. Right. Right. Well, then I get up there and there's this, the entire dining room is the wainscoting is all original mahogany wood graining. Mm -hmm. And it was beat up oh. so bad yeah. I mean you know 1834 to 2020 that's a long time of, right. of being lived in you know yeah. it's it's chairs up against it people yeah moving stuff yeah. Bump, yeah yeah and then there's like this modern chair rail down at the bottom <laughs> and it didn't match because men wax doesn't match right you know the Indian red yeah and burnt sienna it just doesn't match it so right i got to do a little bit of stuff on that too but um yeah it was it's been intense well, <laughs> that's, that, yeah, it's, it, yeah it's very it's a very exciting project it's it's always um it's always fulfilling to i think to be able to see something from you know the beginning to the end and to see the transformation and you it, know how bad it was even if the pictures didn't look like it was that bad yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, oh my gosh, this, this job has been, it's, it's incredible. And it's like a once in a lifetime thing. And it's been such an honor to preserve the work of that original craftsman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're, um, when you're doing that and I, I don't, I don't know the process, um, do you just kind of build on top of what they did? Is that typically what you do? I cleaned it. 
to the to the best of my ability, I was very yeah. conservative with the cleaning yeah. because, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta preserve what's there. You've got to right. leave it there. You don't want to, you don't want to do something too harsh to the paint. Right. And I kind of yeah. treated it like art conservation. Mm -hmm. So I got it as clean as I, I gently could. And that varnish wasn't coming off for anything. I cannot to this day, like, I don't know what the varnish is. Yeah. Cause the shellac would be pretty easy. You'd think. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I don't think it was straight shellac yeah. I, because no matter what I used, it wasn't budging. Yeah. So, and it had become gummy over time and like just collected this black oh, dirt. And then, and then it was attracting all the dust and all the dirt. <laughs> yeah, and there's this one panel in the dining room that just had these huge strips of beeswax going down it and they blackened with time. Yeah. So it was me with like a pocket knife gently scraping. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah. Wax. yeah. But then I just, I clear coated it down and then, um, I, I came in with, with, uh, modern paints. We agreed the client wanted acrylics for dry times mm. and for cost effectiveness. Yeah. So, um, I use products by faux effects mm. and actually their stain and seal line was a, a really good match for the okay. original mahogany. Mahog Is that, um, it's to the trade. No, I was just, I was just thinking like, is that like, does it look like, um, like oil paint, like those kind of tubes or is it? No, it's okay. Actually, so then I, yeah, I, I was just trying to think if I had seen that, but yeah. I can grab one if you want, but um, I was just curious. Like this was just a Danielle being curious. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to show you that, but it's, yeah. it's in a big jar okay. and it's a okay. very thick, um, gel like consistency and it's very highly pigmented. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was actually a really good match for the colors in the downstairs. Oh, yeah. And um, so we had to do like a toning glaze just to make sure everything would come together and meet in the middle because right. when I'm, I had to go in and like touch up in each gap with a five zero brush, which is minuscule. It's oh, the tiny, smallest yeah. brush I could get. So I needed that overall toning glaze just to brighten everything up and kind of harmonize things a little yeah. bit. So then what do you do for your top coat? Is that the toning glaze? No, the, um, the top coat then I would prefer to use like a UV resistant mm -hmm. top coat that FOFX makes, but the client wasn't happy with the sheen. Okay. It was either too shiny or too dull mm -hmm. and mixing them half and half on a job that size, there's just oh too God. much. Yeah. I mean, even if you batch mix something, it's, it's not gonna, yeah, it's just it's not, not going to be right. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up using an acrylic polyurethane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we and, just actually, yeah, we just actually estimated two, two projects that were um, exterior doors, one that we did probably nine years ago. And just because of what the architect spec and it was, it's not holding up because, you know, our yeah. modern stuff doesn't hold up. Right. And, and so I recommended um, a high uh, pigment um solid stain because it was a it was it wasn't natural it was they weren't letting the grain show through anyway it was like a, okay. a reddish yeah. color and then I said and then let's order some you know high uv protector from Europe where they don't care about VOCs and and we won't have this problem again <laughs> yeah, if, you can, if you can still breathe after you use it it's not probably not strong enough for exterior <laughs> yeah, but, but it is, it's, it's a struggle because, and then people think that it's a bad job, but it's not necessarily a bad job. It's, it's just, just our products, products weren't available. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, 
Um, yeah, the uh, Foavex has a really good UV resistant line for, for clear coats. But yeah, like I said, it's either like super high gloss or super dull yeah. there. And I, I fiddled with it a bit and it's just, honestly, it's probably too strong for this kind of situation yeah. because it's like a Marine grade. Right. That's what this is too. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if it's, if it's something that somebody's going to be in a high traffic area in a public building, heck yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. like when we, we did a courthouse, a 1910 courthouse, yeah. um, I actually scored the job. Then I handed it off to a friend of mine who has a better, who, who's more accustomed to working with a crew. Right. And I've been a crew. I was on his crew, but yeah. I handed the job off to him because I don't want to fool with that. So anyway, yeah. um, and yeah, we, we totally use the big guns on those doors. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah. But yeah, for this, I think it, you know, there's some natural light that's going to fall in there, but it's the, the glazes that I use are pretty, they're pretty UV resistant on their own. So I figured the polyurethane would be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about the paint matching, um, but um do you, do you sometimes use like the more traditional like pigments and things if, depending on the project? Yeah, on this one, actually the paint matching was the hardest part. Mm -hmm. um, there's pictures on my Facebook page and I'm, I'm still building a website, so I'm not quite set up with that yet, but there's process pictures on my Facebook page of just me and a teeny tiny paintbrush on, you know, curled up on the floor with a palette and having a palette mix and just like micro adjustments, right. like a batch mix, a few colors that were kind of similar and then just have to go through and just adjust as I go. And downstairs, it went beautifully. And um, I did some new work downstairs as well. So I was also working alongside this artist and right. not just um, not just on top of his work. Right. So, and downstairs, it went fine. Like I did, I did a bunch of, of spalted maple Oh yeah. And it looked great. And then I got upstairs where there's some original maple graining and nothing was matching. Absolutely nothing. Um, I tried all the faux effects products. The ochres were not right. I tried right. the, I uh, went with fine art acrylics and the ochre wasn't right. So then I ended up, I had to dig deeper into the research and I discovered that there in the Blue Ridge mountains in Virginia, there was a yellow ochre that was mined at that time and was heavily uh, used. Like specifically to that geographic region. Yeah. Right. And I thought that must be it. Right. Yeah. So the only one I could find was by natural pigments. Okay. Naturalpigments.com. And they're lovely to work with. Right. Let me tell you, they're absolutely lovely to work with. I will definitely go back to them, but they only make oil paints and watercolors and loose pigments. Um, and everything I'm doing on this job is acrylic. Right. So I ended up having to order the Blue Ridge yellow ochre from California. So it was mined in Virginia, shipped to California, <laughs> shipped back to Virginia for this job. Right. And then I ended up having to use a muller and slab and, to and actually, actually grind it, it into yeah. my own paint. Yeah. So, I mean, thankfully I have a fine art education. I know how to do that. And the people at Natural Pigments helped me with a recipe Right. So yeah, I had to create my own paint for yeah. this upstairs and then a combination of that plus the faux effects products plus the, you know, uh, fine art acrylics from Golden, that combination was finally the right thing and things started matching. Yeah. 
That's that's really I, I we we've had struggles like that with different things on the job, but it feels so good to have like a solution and to be able to like be the person that can give you the solution. <laughs> you're like you're yeah. like the superhero that day. <laughs> I felt like one, man. Yeah. Man. Cuz that the 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 blue ridge yellow ochre is slightly orange. Okay. And and it just it it's translucent where every other everybody else's yellow ochre is very opaque. Mm-hmm. and either like super orange or super yellow and even combining like an Italian sienna or an, an Italian yellow ochre and all these things it just wasn't it wasn't getting you the better. right tone yeah 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 <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah so talk to me a little bit about like the graining and marbling process like special tools like I'm just really curious about about the yeah whole. so When the original artisans would have done this, they would have been using a combination of, I think upstairs, he actually tinted a shellac. Okay. And maybe added some walnut oil, possibly some beeswax. And that basically turns into this fortress of paint. So, and, um, but for me, I use, uh, like I said, Fofex products for the most part, aqua glaze, uh, faux cream, which is a very slow drying. They're, they're the, the clear bases. And then the tools really haven't changed that much over the right. last 200 years. They're pretty much the same. I've got some here with me and, and we've got a pencil brush, which is like, this one's hog bristle with multiple heads yeah. and they come in different sizes and oh, very cool. for the heart grain or for mm-hmm. some marbles. I don't really use them a whole lot. I prefer to freehand all that. And we have a motler, which is a block of hog bristle. Mm. And you can manipulate it with your fingers to create waves and different shapes. Oh, yeah. And you drag that through and um, create the finer grains with that. We still use rags and rollers and rockers. And this is a, a check roller and it's little metal discs that have notches cut in them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And floggers, which is like this long horse hair. I didn't grab it. It's hanging yeah, up. That's okay. And then um, our secret weapon has not changed <laughs> at all. Um, it's the same thing Thomas Kershaw would have been using and it's a badger brush. Okay. It is a, it's a wooden brush with um, American badger hair hmm. and you just use the tips of it and it removes all the brush strokes and smooths everything out. So um, um, it's not, a, it's, I'm sure that's much softer, but Jonathan uses, uh, he calls it a blistering brush. Um, hmm when he does plaster and it's the same idea when you when you then you kind of just smooth it out as it's drying yeah Yeah. and he's like he's like that way I can do like plaster repairs and I don't have you know because we don't do it all the time you know just if it's a small if if it's big we'll call somebody else and he's like then mine still looks perfect because this is my secret (laughs) yeah it's it's our secret you know we have different sizes and we them (laughs) yeah they're very very expensive brushes this might be like this this may be the most expensive brush on the market oh I'm sure yeah they're over a hundred dollars a piece yeah so yeah. and then you know marbling we use a lot of those same things we don't use a motler but we use uh, a quill brush and this has a long mm-hmm. a sable point on it and one thing that's changed a lot that's not changed a lot but it has changed is back then they would have used stale beer in order to get the veining of the marbling to puddle and to move just so and today we use stale lemon lime soda 
because beer stinks. Right. Really, that's the big <laughs> I, would, I would think that, yeah, it would, you'd smell like an, uh, like a, like an old bar. <laughs> it does. It does. And for this job, yeah. I did play around with a sample board with beer and I actually yeah. found the lemon lime soda is, is easier to manipulate. Hmm. The higher sugar content makes the paint stick a lot better. That makes sense. It would make it sticky. Yeah. The, um, um, what was I thinking about that? I would, yeah. And I guess you're, you're just using it for you, like wait for it to go flat. Is that pretty much what? Yeah. It's got to go flat. Yeah. And then you just, you just use the, the liquid. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, so is there any, oh, let's, let's go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to ask you if there was anything else that you had thought about while we were talking that you wanted to share. Um, let's see. Yeah, there was, I had to get kind of in the head of the artisan mm-hmm. that would have been doing this, this one particular job, I had to get in his head, like, you know, he's had to imagine him out in the front yard with his apprentices and, you know, one of them's grinding paint, one of them's boiling some walnut oil, one of them's, you know, they're doing all these different jobs, one of them's grinding pigments. And then in the house, I could clearly see where different people were doing different things. Right. Yeah. Clearly see different hands at work. Yeah. So I know he had a crew working for him. Mm -hmm. Um, I consulted with historians. I consulted with a guy who wrote a book that involved this house, mm-hmm. a woman who wrote a book on decorative painting and they didn't know about his process. Um, and they didn't, they couldn't tell me like what this, what this varnish was that he was mm-hmm. using that was so impermeable. And then um, there was some marbling there that I could not salvage. I couldn't salvage any of the marbling that he had done. Um, the baseboards in the dining room were just too far gone. Oh, yeah. uh, there was no touching it up and the client chose to just paint it gray. Um, mm-hmm. but then the stairs, they were pretty far, they were pretty badly damaged as you yeah. can imagine stair kicks yeah. 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 over close to 200 years of use yeah. and it was abandoned for 20 years. So oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I got into it, I was actually consulting with Mike McNeil at the time. It was just shortly before his, his passing and, we determined that it couldn't be salvaged, but the, we think too, that the, the base coat on the stairs was a lime white. Oh yeah. Which is highly unstable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we determined that. And it would it, probably, yeah. It didn't start flaking off. Is that. It was just powder. Yeah. It was, it wasn't bonding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. I mean, just from what I know about lime washes. Yeah. Yeah. And too, when it was dry, it was, it was a, um, it was obviously tinted to light gray, but then when it was wet, it got darker, which is lime is notorious for doing that. So um, we ended up, I ended up just clear coating all of that just to lock it down and then working on top of it. We did a, I did a, a completely different marble. Um, the client chose a, a white marble with gray veining and then that ended up being too strong. So it came back in and just put an Italian Sienna yeah. uh, glaze over it all and kind of browned it out a little bit. So it's just a fantasy marble. It's, it doesn't exist in reality. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's, that's historically accurate, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't have, you know, only the finest houses would have had any examples of Italian Sienna marble. So, you know, this, our, our itinerant painter would have had to just make stuff up, which he did. Right. The marble he made did not exist in nature by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But, but, you know, just knowing about how he would have gone through and his process and like the marble that he did, he did a lime wash and then he came back in with this gray glaze with like these darker gray diagonal stripes and then flung, um, 
alcohol at it to make it to make it resist. Yeah. You end up yeah. like this weird chain link pattern. And then he sealed it with the, the world's strongest shellac. Which when nobody knows what the recipe is. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? And my client was like, we don't want to send it off to a lab. It's not worth it to us, you know. Yeah. And you know, Mike McNeil and I determined that the only value that the, the marbling had was just in the fact it exists. Right. As a work of art, it was just way too primitive to have any actual value as artwork. So, right. you know, we decided just to honor the house with redoing a marble on the stairs, but, you know, not necessarily producing his work exactly. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, I, um, when, when I was preparing for this, I was looking at your Facebook page and I, I showed Jonathan, I was like, Jonathan, look, look at the marbling on the stairs. I said, well, that's, you know, that's marbling. That's not marble. He's like, of course they wouldn't have used marble for the risers. Like he was very... <laughs> Yeah, you would use it for the treads. Yeah. yeah. So he, 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 sometimes, sometimes I think he gets irritated with me because I point out obvious things to him. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, as far as challenges and stuff, it is, it's actually very challenging to downgrade your abilities into a primitive method. Right. Yeah. You know, because if I went in and did something like these pieces behind me that are, that are more realistic, it mm -hmm. wouldn't have looked right. It wouldn't right. have gone the house and it would have made the primitive stuff that was already there look, look worse. Yeah. Yeah. So like when I was doing the, the spalted maple, I was having to go back upstairs and look at the, the flame and bird's eye maple that the original craftsman had done. And I was having to think, okay, well don't go too far. Right. Yeah. And you know? there, I think as a, as an artist, there's a tendency to do that. Like I can do this better. I can improve on this. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, when I'm doing this marble on the stairs, I posted it onto a, a, a group from marbling and wood graining and somebody's just like, Oh, like, it's supposed to be primitive. You know, right. yeah. at 1834, this work would have been done then by some itinerant painter whose only education was through the the apprentice program, right, you know, right. It's not, it's not at all like the European school no. and, you know, so it's like, if I ever comment, if I ever do anything there, I'm like, it's intentionally primitive. I don't right. suck really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 yeah, but you, I think, I think you have to, you have to honor the house and kind of meet it where it is. Yeah. Uh, and, and, um, uh, yeah, I think I, that, but I think that is a challenge because then you have to kind of hold your, your own self back a little bit. Yeah. But then it's also challenging to go into a, a place like we did this, um, one of the row houses on Jones street in Savannah, mm -hmm. you go in that house and yeah, they could have hired somebody that was brought over from one of the great houses. They could right. have hired their craftsman while he was here to come and do something. So there you give it your utmost, you know, you go right. as far as you can and it was one of those uh, slate fireplaces that had the Portora marble mm. marbleizing on it. Yes. And so for that, I mean, it was very finely done. And so to reproduce that, you're going to go all out. Right. You yeah. Know? So you get but, to like do, use a whole range of, of skills. Yeah. But yeah. for, you know, a country house in the middle of Virginia, that would be inappropriate. Right. Yeah, it would so. be. And, and some people might want to go that way, but yeah, I think more and more in line with, with the house, I think that, I think that approach is, is very appropriate. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, a, that is a challenge just to sort of dumb down your knowledge and dumb yeah. down your skills to be, to be something that would be more appropriate. And as, 
I mean, if anyone knows of someone else in the U.S. that is doing an early American style wood grain and marbling, I would love to connect with them because as right now, as far as I can tell, I'm it. Right. And, 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 and one thing I was thinking as we were, as we were talking and you were talking about like the not knowing, you know, the itinerant painters that, you know, not knowing their process and things, you should really start documenting your processes so that, and, and, and compiling it um, so that people can um, learn. I I give my clients an entire list of a breakdown, a full breakdown of what I do. And I sign my work as well. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think, I think that's so important and it's, it's a lot easier now with, with digital to be able to share, share what we know and share, share our knowledge. But I think that that's very important and, and to connect with people. Um, have you been to any of the preservation trades network events? No, I haven't. Okay. There's, um, they're per- planning an in-person one in, um, in September, I think in Ohio. Okay. And if you sign up to be a demonstrator, you get to go for free. <laughs> so that's usually what I do. That's my end. <laughs> contract, you know, from a contractor perspective, that's the smart way to go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if you're the project manager or the, you know, the company, you know, go as a, as a, you know, as, as a yeah. visitor, but yeah, I mean, as a contractor going to one of those events, you yeah. need to go as a, as yeah. a vendor. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so that, that's my, that's my little, my, my, my idea for you. Um, yeah, are there you. any, um, offers for our listeners? Um, I know that I, um, you could, you could just answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the only offer I've got going on right now, my hometown of Noonan, Georgia was hit really hard with an F4 tornado right through the historic district. And, um, we're, we're, they're very proud of the historic district as they should be. Um, it, it missed it wasn't hit by the civil war. So mm-hmm. unlike most areas in Georgia, we actually have a historic district, right? especially being as close to Atlanta as we are, that's pretty extraordinary. And so the offer that I'm, I have out there right now is for residents of the historic district in Noonan, if their house was affected by the tornado, I'm offering to come in and do the work at cost. Okay. Just for materials and overhead, I'm not charging for labor. And for the knowledge that I have and the type of work I do, that's going to be a huge savings for them. Oh yeah, and it, and it's very important because that those types of um, details in houses can easily get lost in an insurance claim. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, it, and it could be too. And I just want to help bring the town back up to its glory. You know, because it's going to be generations before the trees are back. Oh. It's yeah. going to be generations before anything looks even remotely like it did a couple mm-hmm. months ago. Yeah. So, you know, we've got all these grand houses that were just, that were nearly demolished. Yeah. And so I know there's going to be, you know, as an, a decorative painter too, I can actually foe the patina. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I can go in there and I know where to hit a door with, with a tool to make it look, you know, to add the right dents and dings because I've worked in houses of that era right, yeah. enough, you know, I've got, I've got uh, six you know, yeah. buildings you under my belt. Right people, you know where people hit the door, go right. through it, and where they yeah, run. I'm not just going to go willy-nilly with a cane like they did in the 90s, you know. I, I know how to do yeah, this. I have right? seen that, too. <laughs> I can hit it with a chain, but it's going to be targeted, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I, I'm offering to come in and just, you know, do what I do. Yeah. Just, you know, just, I kind of have this saying that we'll sling paint for money, you know, (laughs) I'm a mercenary artist, but 
you know, as far as the historic district goes, I just want to help it come back as close to where it was or better and just do my part. And that's, I'm, I don't have like a, a timeline on that because it's going to be years before the arrival right. building is yeah. done. So, I mean, um, but if, if anyone from that area is listening and you got hit by the tornado, then please let me know and I'll just get you penciled in. And when the contractors leave, I can come in. Very good. Thank you very much. So how can our listeners contact you? I am on Etsy, Instagram, and Facebook as Auburn Mason Artist. And my name is spelled kind of funny. It's A-U-B-E-R-N, Mason comma artist. And I uh, hopefully have a website up within the next month. Okay, very good. Yeah, I'm, I've been in the process of updating ours for a long time and I understand how that goes. <laughs> It's just a, it's a process and it, it's when I don't have time, it's, you know, that's something that doesn't get to the top of the list. <laughs> yeah. And since I took time off to have kids, like everything I knew about web, web design is obsolete now. Yeah. So I'm kind of, I'm starting over from scratch. <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed talking to you and I'm glad that we got to connect. I'm thrilled. This was really exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm just tickled to be here. Thank you okay. so much for thank having you. me. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.